Chapter 19 of Paul, a Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, a Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 19 Intergnum. Rome, the mighty lioness, whipped into cowardice starved into submission, arose and shook her tawny sides. She had heard a cry, a strange, wild cry, beginning with the feeble moan of a dying man and swelling anon into a fierce, jubilant paean of triumph. The Caesar is dead. Rome is free. At the sound, the yellow light in the eyes of the starving brute blazed into liquid flame. With a thunderous roar of joy she leapt forth unhindered into the night, to tear, to rend, to devour. At the imperial palace light sparkled from every window. Great fires burned briskly on the marble pavements of the enclosed courtyards, lighting up luridly the faces of the mob which surged in and out of the open doorways. Now and again someone would fooling upon the blazing heaps an armful of broken furniture. Look, you brave comrades, yelled a drunken soldier, holding a carved and gilded cradle high above his head. Here slept the child of the Caesar. My child lies upon rags. Into the fire with it, roared a dozen voices in reply. The babe will sleep sound enough without it, pretty dear, muttered an old woman who was warming her shriveled fingers at the fire. I, sound and long, all three, the gods be praised. Hast thou seen them, wench? Turning to a woman at her side who held a crying baby in her arms. No, answered the woman eagerly. Where be they? I have but just come, she added fretfully. My husband is here somewhere. He will get no plunder worth the having unless I look to it. He thinks only of the wine. Hush thee. Hush thee, child. Nay, I am weary of thee, and that is the truth. Hey, girl, tis an evil thing to say, and of thy firstborn, too. What wilt thou do when there are half a score of them, all hanging about thy skirts and crying for bread? Give the lad to me, I will wrap him from the cold in this bit of the emperor's tunic. Ay, thou mayest look and look, girl. I took it with my own hands. He will want it no more. It shall warm honest flesh to-night. But come, till I shall show thee a fine sight, a beautiful sight. Besides, I know where to find some pretty robes fit to set off those black eyes and red cheeks, my girl. Where be the pretty things? demanded the young woman. I will go there first. I want a necklace of red stones, a mirror, a purple tunic broidered with gold, and yes, yes, Thou shalt have them all and more. I know where to look for them. But come along first and see what my old eyes have ached to behold. For many a long day. I a merry sight, a goodly sight. And they will get everything. Whimpered the girl, glancing with longing eyes into the half-open doors which her guide was hurrying her. Look, they are pulling out beautiful robes now. And veils and tearing them to bits. Stop, I must have some. Never fear, my beauty, 
I know where there are a plenty more, and a thousand times handsomer. Just a moment of time, girl, and thou shalt see what thou shalt not forget to thy dying day, be it near or far. Look there. Give me the babe, said the young mother in a low voice. Ay, take him. I will hold the torch. Now canst thou see? Come nearer, wench. There is a knot to hurt the feeblest life in Rome in this heap of dead flesh. The gods be praised for it. The other drew back from the formless, motionless mass which lay upon the floor at her feet. Look, she whispered with a shudder, pointing to the dark pool which crept slowly and crookedly toward her across the marble pavement. I must not say, she added hurriedly, "'Twill be ill luck for the child.' "'Ill luck!' screamed the hag. "'Ill luck! Fool! A better day never dawned for the child, "'and a merrier sight than this was never looked upon. "'It means freedom and plenty in place of chains and starvation. "'See, they are all here,' and she lifted the smoking torch high above her head. "'The younger woman stared for a long moment in fascinated silence.' the child in her arms, cooing and stretching out his little fingers toward the light. Why did they kill the woman, she faltered at length, and the babe? Surely the little one had done no harm. The woman was his wife, the child was his child. When they hunt the mad wolf of the fens and happily track him to his lair, do they spare the she-wolf and the whelp? Come, we will eat and drink. Then shalt thou array thyself in her royal robes, who hath no need further saving for a winding sheet. In another part of the palace, a group of soldiers were tramping noisily down one of the long corridors. Liberty is the watchword of the night, and liberty it shall be, yelled the foremost, stopping before a closed door. Locked by Hercules, let us see this, comrades, together with a will. The door fell with a loud crash, and the assailants rushed in. A lamp which burned upon a large oaken table in the center of the room flickered wildly in the rushing draught. One of the soldiers caught it up and shielded the flame with his broad palm, looked keenly about him by the reviving light. Parchments as thick as leaves in autumn pins, an inkhorn, he enumerated, more parchments, a pile of scrolls, a uh, bah, we have plundered into the lair of a scrivener, roared another with an oath, there is nothing here, come on, stay, what is this, said a third, who had been exploring the apartment on his own account, hold the light, he added impatiently, I see a pair of legs, quoth the man with the light, staring hard at a crimson curtain from beneath which the limbs in question protruded. Our scrivener hath betaken him to his couch with such haste that he hath forgotten his nether appendages. The soldiers greeted this sally with a roar of laughter. The legs in question twitched convulsively. He hath a room in his feet for it, said one. What thank you, good Petrus? Thou'rt somewhat of a leech, shall we bleed him? The legs trembled violently, and a stifled moan was heard from behind the curtain. Reach me thy sword, comrade, 
"'Tis sharper than mine," replied the man who was called Petrus with a wink. "'I will even prick the scrivener at thy suggestion, "'that we may see whether his veins be not swollen "'with overmuch application to the inkhorn.' "'At this the curtain was flung violently open "'and a strange, disheveled figure tumbled out upon the floor. "'Mercy! Have mercy!' it shrieked, "'clutching wildly at the knees of the soldiers.' I have done no harm, no harm at all, I swear it. Do not kill me, for the love of the gods, spare me, spare me. Thou art too noisy, by half, friend Scrivener, said one of the soldiers coolly. Come, I will make of thee a Scrivener to his majesty, Caius Caesar. And he drew his sword. Not so fast, comrade, remarked the soldier who held the lamp, fixing his eyes thoughtfully upon the man at his feet, who still poured forth a torrent of prayers and entreaties, mixed with loud blubbering, like that of a whipped schoolboy. Why not, good greatest? We waste time, said the other, impatiently brandishing his weapon. At the sight, the wretch on the floor burst out anew. Why shouldst thou kill me, good, sweet soldier? I swear I do no harm. I want to live, to live, only to live. Oh, spare me, spare me, spare me. Look you, comrades, said Gratus, with much seriousness. This man's life may be worth a thousand talents apiece to us. Aye, and more, if we but play our game aright. This is Germanicus. Germanicus, cried the others. Who is he? Claudius Caesar Germanicus, the uncle of the late emperor, and therefore next of kin and lawful heir to the throne. Away with him, then. We want no more emperors. Hold hard, comrades. An emperor is as good as a consul any day. What will advantage us to fight and starve under Curius, or Lepidus, or any other of them? They be all covetous knaves. Let us make this Claudius emperor. Then will he make us rich. Here now, Claudius, if we spare thee and make thee emperor, wilt thou swear to remember us? But Claudius was past understanding. The horrors of that awful night had quite swept away for the moment the little wit that he possessed. He could only moan and blubber his fat, pallid face, streaked with tears and dirt, twisted into a ludicrous semblance of a colicky baby. The man is a fool, said Petrus, contemptuously. He could not be emperor. Better a fool than a madman, replied Gratus coolly. Nay, the more fool the better. Come, we will take him to the camp. In an upper room of his house, Herod Agrippa sat moodily contemplating the space of blank wall opposite his chair. The visions which he saw there must needs have been unhappy ones, for his lips moved angrily, and from time to time he dashed his closed fist violently down upon the carven arm of his chair. Fool that I was, he muttered, rising and walking restlessly up and down, blinded by my own little resentment. I left him to fall a victim to this accursed conspiracy, which will ruin me as it has slain him. Ah, Cyprus, what wilt thou? 
I would know what hath happened, my lord. The most frightful rumors are abroad. Not more frightful than the reality, said Agrippa gloomily. The emperor is dead, and with him, Sisonia, and the child. God in heaven, exclaimed Cyprus faintly. Why the empress and the babe? I would have concealed his body at once, and feigned that he still lived. Thus order might have been maintained, and murderers apprehended, and the matter of the succession duly arranged. And this, of course, I urged upon the empress, but she was quite mad and distracted with the horror, a weak woman at the best. I must go to him, she shrieked. With that, she caught the child from the arms of its nurse and fled, wailing to the place where the body was lying. And there, Lupus and another of the accursed brood of conspirators came upon her crying out to heaven for vengeance upon the murderers of her dear lord. There was one speedy way to silence those shrieks. That way the wretches choose. As for the child, it was his child. What will happen now? Thou mayest well ask that question, woman. We are ruined. Nothing less. A friend of Caius Caesar's, I shall be set down an enemy to Rome by these so-called patriots. Rome is free. Rome is free, howled the mob. They are sacking the palace now. The Senate has convened to consider the situation. The murderers congratulate one another openly. I see no hope. No hope. Listen, exclaimed Cyprus suddenly. What is it that they are shouting? Agrippa flung open the casement and thrust his head out into the darkness. Something has happened, he said at length. I must look to it. Something had indeed happened. The sounds which reached them in that upper room were the shouts of the soldiers in the Praetorian camp as they hailed Claudius Caesar, Emperor of Rome. End of chapter 19